What's up, Milwaukee listeners? I've got a deal for you. Saturday night, I'll be in your neck of the woods to MC and host the Eagle Mania concert at Pabst Theater, downtown in Milwaukee. And I've got a deal for you, and you only. Plug in promo code ZABE, that's Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, at pabsttheater.org and get 25% off on your tickets. For more information, go to the website, pabsttheater.org, and I will see you Saturday. Today on the ZABEcast, a new coach press conference is usually pretty boring. Unless you're the Jets and you've hired a Google-eyed human version of the Cookie Monster. We'll break down what the hell was going on with Adam Gase's eyes on Monday. Andy Poland joins me to explain why Mike Francesa has apparently gone off the deep end of reality. All that plus why infinity email is the way to go. A bonus hour of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Wednesday, January 16, 2019. Thank you for downloading. I say this with all due respect and with great trepidation, but I'm serious. The New York Jets have to turn around and fire Adam Gase right now. Oh, yeah. No, I'm serious. What the hell did you just say? Oh, did you not see his press conference on Monday being introduced to the New York market, he had the craziest, demonic-looking Google eyes you have ever seen. And not just one moment or two moments or even three moments of, what's going on with his eyes? It was a long enough and weird enough sequence of eye movements bulging out that, honestly, I thought, He's got some neurological thing going on. He might have what I had once called nystagmus. Nystagmus is an uncontrollable rapid eye movement. Happened to me I was sleeping. And this was at when I was at the depths of my Lyme disease symptoms and other stuff. And was woken from a deep slumber with my eyes kind of going crazy. I kind of blinked and I woke up and I stumbled into the bathroom and Didn't know what was going on. My eyes were like going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like the servo was broken on my eyelid motor. Crazy. Looked it up. Nystagmus. Anyway, Adam Gase may be a great guy, great coach, great football mind. You can't overcome what he has now put down in the digital age. What is now going to become, what has launched, I'm sure, already a thousand memes. I can't imagine the number of games he's going to have to win before people forget that, yeah, remember in his press conference he kind of went crazy with the eyes? I almost feel bad for him. I, I, don't, I don't know what that is. Somebody, because the internet's awesome, put together a video in which they put a taco, a little cartoon taco, in front of his eyes and move the taco around as he moved his eyes around left and right and up and down. Jesus, what was that? There's now an, a Twitter account, Adam Gase's Eyes, which was launched just shortly after the press conference. Cameron Wolf, who covered Gase's Dolphins for ESPN, said, I got four texts about his eyes during his 15-minute presser 
in New York. I said, those are normal. He's just an intense guy. But he'll probably be more relaxed in less formal settings. I have a simple rule when it comes to coaches. How can we trust you to command a roster of 53 men if you can't command your eyeballs to settle the fuck down? Again, all of this is predicated on him not having some crazy neuro-optical nerve disease or disorder. If he does, okay, I'll back off. If he was, quote, just nervous, just nervous? Nervous. You're a head coach in the NFL. You think a press conference makes you nervous? What are you going to do if it's fourth and goal with the AFC championship on the line? What are your eyeballs going to look like then? Again, I'm not trying to pick on Adam Gase, although it sounds like I am. I think this is a case where they should just back out now. Back out now and save everybody as much trouble and and waste as little time as possible. Just say, you know what, now on second thought, never mind. It's almost like the time when Rune Arledge, then of ABC Sports, had hired recently retired Boston Celtics great uh, Bob Cousy and had never heard Cousy call a game before, had never really talked to Bob Cousy before, and introduced Bob Cousy as part of ABC's broadcast package for the NBA at a press conference. And the first words out of Bob Cousy's mouth went something like this. Hello, Woon! <laughs> Rude Arledge nearly plotzed. He had no idea that Bob Cousy had a very unique accent, speech impediment of sorts. And he was just floored, like, what? Hello, Woon! <laughs> This was the press conference equivalent of hello wound for Adam Gase. Apparently, he's a brilliant football mind. Some have made an ardent defense of what he did in Miami with a limited set of weapons, especially with a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill who was hurt for a good chunk of the year. They had to go; they missed all the last year with uh, the Jay Cutler experiment. Still was able to squeeze some wins out of it. Ah, you know, they talk highly of him. Looks like a weirdo to me. And if he can't control those eyes, I don't know why you'd want him as your head coach. Good luck in New York City. Speaking of crazy eyes, it reminds me of the great scene in Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry David meets Crazy Eyes Killa, the rapper, and helps him work on his rap lyrics. I caution you with little children in the car, this is not safe for work. What's cracking, player? How are you? I'm all right. I'm yeah? all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm chilling. What's up? Chilling. What's up, baby? Just chilling. Hey, you a writer, right? Yeah. I, I wrote some shit this morning. I wrote some shit. You know, I write my own lyrics and yeah, shit. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You want to help me out with it? I've never written rap. That's all right. Stuff, but... now, I'm going to see what you got. Okay, go I'm ahead. see what you got, all right? Mm-hmm. Check this shit out. It's called I'm Coming to Get You. I'm Coming right? to Get You. Okay. Right. So you think you're going to cross me and mess with my shit? Opening your fucking trap and flapping your lip? Don't fuck with me, nigga. You're gonna get dropped. I'll snap off your neck with a crackling pop. 
Oh, I like the Rice Krispies thing, yeah. You got that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crackle and pop, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you say anything, you'll beg me to die, because I'll make you suck my dick, then I'll nut in your eye. I'll stomp on your world as if my name was Godzilla. I'm coming for you, motherfucker. I'm your crazy eyes killer, you know? And I'm going to be like this in the, in the video. Like, you know what I mean? He's got one. I like it. Dead eye. Got one tiny little comment. What? 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 I would lose the motherfucker at the end because you already said fuck once. You don't need two fucks. You already got the one fuck. I would change the motherfucker to bitch because the bitch. Bitch. <laughs> yes, because bitch is, is a oh. word that you would use to somebody who who you don't re, who you disrespect, right? Isn't that so? That, you my dog. You my nigga. I am. You know what? Yeah. Absolutely. That's right. Play. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. I like that shit. Yeah, I right. like you. Right. I like you, motherfucker. Don't hit me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Classic Curb Your Enthusiasm there. The other thing that caught everyone's attention on Tuesday night was Jim Beheim's pants. That's right, Elaine. The very pants he was wearing at Cameron Indoor. Apparently, Jim Beheim pissed the living hell out of his pants while coaching the sidelines in a thrilling overtime upset of Duke. People were quick to then retweet and post and show the photos and the videos of, holy shit, look at all that water and everything. What, he piss his pants? And then people started saying, yeah, you know, he is a prostate cancer survivor, and quite often it affects your continence and your bladder and your ability to not piss yourself. Okay, fair enough. But as I was easing off the gas just a bit thinking about this, I, I then recalled one key thing. Jim Beheim is a colossal asshole. So, no, he does not get any break whatsoever. Cancer survivor, not a cancer survivor. Glad he's alive. No one's wishing he's dead, but fuck you, Jim Beheim. One of the most arrogant, bullying asshole coaches. Great coach, by the way. Love that stretchable 2 3 zone. Very tough to play against. But no, he gets no break whatsoever. And, and other people saying, you know, Zave, you're going to be old pissing your pants sometime soon as well. I don't know about pissing my pants. I, I've already admitted that I've you know shit my pants multiple times in my life as an adult. More than two, less than ten. And it's no fun. And I said that the world is only filled with two kinds of guys. Guys who have shit their pants and guys who lie about it. That's it. That's two two things right there. And then I learned... <laughs> that there is an Al Roker, I pooped my pants remix on YouTube from the time he did a little sit-down interview with, I guess, the health editor at NBC to talk about the fact that, yes, he struggles sometimes, uh, given that he had gastric bypass. Here was the Al Roker, I pooped my pants remix. You pooped in your pants? I, I pooped my pants. When you have a bypass and you, you know, your bowel has been reconstructed, you think you're pretty safe. You think you're pretty safe. And I probably went off and ate something I wasn't supposed to. As I'm walking to the press room, I don't know, I think i got to you know, pass a little gas here. Pass a little gas here. So I'm walking by myself. Who's going to know? Only a little something extra came out. A little, little, little something extra came out. Came out. You pooped in your pants. I pooped my pants. You pooped in your pants. I pooped my pants. You pooped in your pants. I pooped my pants. You pooped in your pants. I pooped my pants. Not horribly. I pooped my pants. 
You pooped in your pants. I pooped my pants. Oh, mama. I pooped my pants. You pooped in your pants. I pooped my pants. We're just gonna dump. Why don't you dump? We're just gonna dump. Why don't you dump? Get in here. That was a cooking segment with, oh, I don't even know the woman that is, the chef or whatever. Dumping things in there. You pooped in your pants. I pooped my pants. Poop, 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 my pants. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Good for Al Roker. He's an honest man. He looks good, too. He's kept the weight off after that bypass. Not everyone does. But as far as Jim Beheim goes, no, I have no sympathy for him whatsoever. And if it's a problem post-prostate surgery, prostate cancer, prostate removal, whatever it was, get some Depends, man. Make the most out of it. Endorse Depends. Embrace it. Embrace the pee stain, my friend. But otherwise, I'm going to still mock him. Get this. Bob Costas is officially done at NBC. Quietly. Andrew Marchand for the New York Post, who writes about sports and media matters, says that the 66-year-old Costas will no longer appear on NBC. Instead, he will be exclusive to the MLB Network. And he'll be part of the Baseball Hall of Fame inductee announcements on that network next week. But his tenure at NBC is over. It's interesting because Costas is, if not on the Rushmore of modern TV sports announcers, he's in the sort of pantheon of big-time guys. And he just said it was all settled quietly and happily for all concerned meaning his contract and what was left of his contract at NBC. Apparently, Costas had triggered a so-called Brokaw Clause in 2012, which made him the emeritus of NBC Sports. And in recent years, writes Marshawn, the two sides struggled to find roles that Costas felt passionate about and that fit into NBC's current properties. Baseball has always been Costas' number one sport, while his feelings, writes Marshawn, for the NFL have waned. Oh, yeah, they've waned big time. And I think fans' tolerance of Bob Costas waned as well as he used his bully pulpit at halftime of Sunday Night Football in America to lecture us about gun control or head concussions, head concussions, concussions and the NFL dangers, racism, who knows what. Enough, Bob. We were like, we don't need to be lectured on this. Can You got a highlight or something like that? I just wonder if perhaps by taking on the NFL, by being so vehement about, I know what causes brain damage. I know what causes CTE. The NFL, I forget his exact words, something you know, like, we know this causes brain damage. Oh, Dr. Costas, Dr. Costas, neuropsychological expert, Please take the stand now. Bob Costas had a great run, made a ton of money, 66 years old, still looks fairly young for 66, probably can work another decade maybe, possibly, out at NBC quietly. Uh, Both sides agreed to keep it quiet, so he goes out with a hush. And speaking of going out, but maybe not with a hush, NBC is going to have to pay Megyn Kelly all the monies. This after Kelly was bounced following her comment about what's so wrong about blackface on Halloween. Oh my God. 
didn't make it on air more than one day afterwards and was gone, Megyn Kelly's going to collect all $30 million left on her contract. She was signed to a three-year, $69 million deal when she was at the peak of her popularity at Fox, following the 2016 election in which she famously stood up to Donald Trump and stood her ground. NBC was going to make her the centerpiece of the network. Whoops, not so much. Ratings have actually gone up 18% since Dylan Dreyer took her spot in that time slot following the Today Show. I'm not. I'm guessing Dylan Dreyer probably makes a million a year, but certainly not 25 million a year or 23. I guess the case would be. So my question is this: Who at NBC that said yes, let's do this, let's make this 69 million dollar bet on Megyn Kelly when it goes belly up, whether it's because of a comment about Halloween or whether it's about ratings that aren't getting it done? Who takes the fall? What executives get fired and then have a mark put on their resume like, never hire this guy again to be in charge of paying talent for TV? He clearly doesn't get it. My guess is that the executives suffer very little ill, uh, they, they suffer very little career damage. They can always point to something else like, well, you know, it didn't work out, or well, the network wanted to make an investment. Or, well, it's all right off anyway, Jerry. Or, well, the talent didn't do their job. I had a vision. The talent didn't follow through. Must be nice. I'd say, kids, if you want to get into broadcasting, like El Baldo, forget that. Get into broadcast management. Because those guys make a ton of money as well. Those guys and gals. And then when they make huge fuck-ups like this, they don't seem to suffer. And it looks like Megyn Kelly will probably get hired by somebody else, probably at a lesser level, obviously not at the same pay level, but who cares? She robbed NBC of $69 million in broad daylight. All right, Rob is a bit harsh. She, she walked out with $69 million in broad daylight, and NBC didn't say a peep because they were the ones that screwed up. Let's let's rattle Andy Poland's chain and see what he is up to this week. We missed him last week. We always miss Andy Poland and his thoughts on life and sports. Come on, Andy. Call on your home phone number. Surely you were not at the door answering a... Hey! Hey! I was wondering. I was like, God, I hope Andy's all right. Hope he didn't collapse. No, I had to run upstairs. Oh. I, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Hello, Andrew. How are you? I'm good. And you? Uh, you know, here's how I am as a Redskin fan. I sit mm-hmm. at home watching weekend number two of the playoffs, and I just look at all the teams and all the players, and I constantly say to myself, we don't have any of that. No. We don't have no. moxie. We don't have grit. We don't have chemistry. We don't have culture. We don't have phenoms. We don't have speed. We don't have toughness. It happens almost every year, Andy, that we're not yeah. in the playoffs. I, uh, you know, as the ball slipped through Alshon Jeffrey's hands, I was thinking, wouldn't you like to be in a position to watch Josh Doxson do that? Because before he did that, he was a beast on the field. And that's the guy they thought they were getting in Josh Doxson. He's not anywhere close to Alshon Jeffrey. 
and they're out. But at least they got to the second round, and they got there with a backup quarterback, which the Redskins couldn't even get to the playoffs with because their backup quarterback can't play more than two games without breaking a leg. Right. Or how about Michael Thomas, who was drafted 25 slots below Josh yeah. Doxson? Well, uh, who's head of obtaining players now? Bruce Allen. Michael Lombardi, who oh, worked yeah. with Allen in Oakland, uh, went on WJFK last week, and he said when he worked with Bruce in Oakland, he never even participated in the draft, wasn't in the draft room, didn't participate in, in scouting players. That's the guy who's now in charge of everything for this organization, everything. And your station's own Redskins beat reporter Chris Russell said that that sent, quote, shockwaves through Ashburn and through Redskins Park from those who heard Lombardi's comments, I guess because they believe that he's lying and that Bruce was very involved in the personnel side? Uh, who knows? And, and who knows what shockwaves mean, but uh, <laughs> I'll take his word for it. But, uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, do you think that, that Dan Snyder called Bruce Allen and goes, hey, you know, I was listening to Chris Russell on 106.7 The Fan, and he said you didn't participate in any draft. Or, Is that true, Bruce? You never told me that. <laughs> And a shockwave might be one person yelling, fuck that guy. <laughs> That's yeah. a shockwave right there. So no. Bruce has taken back total control. He is back to running both the business side of things for the team and is still involved in the football side of things. And and, and the power just seems to grow with him. Now yep. our colleague and friend Tom Lavero reports that one of the reasons that got La Famina, the new business guy, <laughs> hired from New York with a team of people to turn around the Redskins' image. One of the things, according to Lovey, that got him ousted was this new campaign with the hashtag WeHail, which is mm-hmm. in reference to, of course, the Redskins' fight song, Hail to the Redskins. According to, to Lovey, one and his source, Dan Snyder himself didn't like how close WeHail echoed or sounded like Sig... Heil, the salute yeah. to Adolf Hitler, and that was one of the reasons they decided to get rid of La Famina. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's, that's it. I mean, Lavero says two people have told him that, two sources on that. Uh, and I, I, I find it interesting that Dan Snyder plays the anti-Semitism card when it's convenient for him. You may remember when he sued the city paper and Dave McKenna some years ago where they took a picture of him and draw drew horns and a little goatee, goatee. yeah to, to indicate that he was the devil and uh he decided that uh, or somebody decided for him that the horns represented an anti-semitic uh take and that's what he sued for later dropped the suit and then blamed it on tony wiley the pr director for the redskins so why why, uh, why did he blame it on wiley he, he said Wiley was the one who convinced him he should sue the city paper. <laughs> really? So, yeah. so billionaires can launch lawsuits that are vindictive and counterproductive based on a PR guy's recommendation? No, that's what he said after he dropped the suit. And, and that's you remember that was the Super Bowl where Snyder actually showed up and did Radio Row. You remember that? I do remember that, and that might have been the last time he has ever put himself out there. Yeah, yeah, no, he was going from station to station, and Bruce Allen was with him, and uh, he was explaining why he, uh, you know, filed suit. Of course, he didn't do our show. You remember he did no. Doc Walker's show. Yeah, <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Funny how that is. Well, yeah. okay. So from a uh, from a from a Jewish man's perspective, Andy, mm-hmm. is we hail uncomfortably close to Sig Heil? Not in this case. This was clearly a play on Hail to the Redskins, which has only been their fight song what since the nineteen thirties. Um, you know, I, I, I did. It, it never occurred to me that you could make that connection. I, I never would have thought anything like that. And Zig Heil, I mean, come on, that's a, that's a salute. That's that. that we hail is, is 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 is. I don't. I don't know if that's the most brilliant marketing campaign, but it was clearly a marketing campaign to play on the emotions of Redskins fans. The the other thing that is stunning. And I, I don't really take this at face value because I think it's after the fact, you know, well, here's why we had to get rid of them. Doesn't anybody vet these things? Isn't there a sign-off at the highest level once LaFamina and his staff come up with their idea? Okay, here's our hashtag strategy for the year, our social media platform. We hail, playing off the theme song. Shouldn't then Dan be able to go, eh, sounds a little bit like Sig Heil. We need something else. That should but, be done before but, it's rolled out, not yeah, after I mean, you fired it, the guy. It's possible that it was, that, that they rolled it out, and then once he saw it and saw how empty his stadium was, oh uh, maybe he decided that it was anti-Semitic. I don't know. Well, how far away are we then as Redskin fans from being well, good? You, 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 your quarterback situation is is – the worst in the league. There was a story that was done this week by one of the websites. Most uh, quarterback confidence. Quarterback. Yeah, the confidence yeah, poll and, and the Redskins were thirty first, only ahead of yeah, Jacksonville. I yeah, I, 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 to me, this seems worse because you're saddled with a quarterback salary of twenty million dollars a year for the next two years, who can't play. More than likely, he can't play. If he comes back and is healthy, that that'd be a godsend. But I, I don't think that's that's very likely. Your backup can't play more than two or three games. And maybe you're going to get somebody in the draft. Maybe you won't. I mean, are they going to draft somebody who's going to be ready to play by the middle of next year? Maybe. But I wouldn't count on it. If, say, Kyler Murray was sitting there at 15, would you take a flyer on maybe the smallest, shortest quarterback since Doug Flutie? Well, here's what happened. If, if, If Kyler Murray winds up anywhere else, he becomes Russell Wilson. If he winds up here, he becomes Johnny Manziel. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I think the kid's got his life much in better order than Johnny Manziel, but yeah. Well, I mean, from a, a, a playing perspective, though Manziel, I guess when he did play for Cleveland was, was not that bad, but I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I just don't see it. And, uh, you know, maybe they, they say now that, that the size matters less than it ever did, and I've watched the last two weeks. Andrew Luck is, what, 6'4"? Get a bunch of passes knocked down. Oh, sure. So maybe, you know, and maybe size doesn't matter as much. But I mean, is he, he? He certainly can run. Can he throw like Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes is oh my god, he is unbelievable with the way he can throw from different angles, the way he can run, cross his body without looking. Is Kyler Murray that guy? I don't know. I, I really don't know. That's the that's the the argument about you got to be this tall to see over the line has always been the biggest canard ever yeah. in sports because most guys, even the defensive linemen, are six three, six four. So a, you're not going to see over them. B, they put their arms up in the way of passes. You're throwing through windows. You're not jumping up and down, going ooh ooh. I can't see over it. And the throw Mahomes made sidearm through a maze of bodies to a streaking Travis Kelsey 
on a dime was yeah. something spectacular, wasn't it? Oh, that's that's something else about Alex Smith. When you watch Travis Kelsey and you go, oh, yeah, he really looked good last year with that guy. They don't have one of those guys on the right. Redskins. Right. <laughs> they, Jordan Reed, when healthy, is Kelsey-esque. I think he's on that same level. At least he was yeah. back in 2015. But he hasn't yeah. been, he been healthy since, and, and he just no. misses games every single year. So just ballpark. When will we next host a playoff game in Washington? Oh, I I think when there's a new you know awakening by the owner that that Bruce Allen can't do it, but I, I don't year. see it. Earliest possible year. How about that? Um, earliest possible year they could host a playoff game. I would say 2025. Maybe. <laughs> Jesus God! Good God! What? 2025? Yeah. I was hoping you'd say 2021. No. So two more awful years, and then maybe 2021 after the lockout, wink, wink. Yeah. And with Trevor Lawrence in tow, wink, wink. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Here we go. No? Yeah, but who's going to be picking the players? You don't have a general manager. You don't have somebody who's, and, and, you know, I don't know what Doug Williams does. I assume he's. He's help, helping out with the scouting, but but it, right. It, and 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 here's here's another thing. C.J. Williams, the running back for the Rams, Anderson. You know when they got him? Yeah, a month ago. Williams. No, C.J. C.J. Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. Right. They they got him. They got him December nineteenth. That's what Scott McLuhan did with the 2015 team. He was picking up street free free agents like that, and they had enough to get to the playoffs. They don't have anybody to do that anymore. Nobody's nobody's scouting league personnel to know who's available. Yeah. They, they're they're going around maybe looking at hot college prospects. Yeah, they're drooling at Kyler Murray, but. I, I don't. I don't yeah. see them picking up the, the the pro guys who are out on the street. Do you? No. In fact, I think the Redskins are doing the opposite. They're bungling yeah. their own talent, like Simi Cobbs, the wide receiver, who yeah. was on the practice squad, was offered a chance. The Saints went to go claim him. The Redskins said, "Well, we'll bring you up," and he could then choose, and he chose mm-hmm. to go to the Saints and not play versus being called up to the Redskins starting roster and playing some. So that tells you right there the state yeah. of things. Yeah. Okay. Uh let's uh let's switch gears here. I got some media questions to ask you about just cuz you have been around, you know the industry, mm-hmm. you know the people, you know the way things change. Two people in particular, very high paid people. One is Mike Francesa. Mm-hmm. I assume you follow the Twitter feed. Oh yeah. Back after yep, this. Yep. Yep, yep. Francesa has always been an egomaniac and a blowhard and a guy who likes to stretch the truth. But does it seem to you at this point that he has gone almost full Captain Quig with his own delusions? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's able to say things that aren't true and just cover them up with bluster. He's, he's clearly not doing his homework and... Look, I've I've heard this for years that that he may read some internet things now, but the way that people have been prepping for a long time, he's never really embraced. I mean, he used to read, he used to watch Sports Center, maybe he still does. He used to read the papers, but in terms of the way you have to be pretty much connected to the internet round the clock now to to do this job, 
I don't think he does that. So he thinks he can just make it up, and he never comes back and corrects anything. And when he, when he just throws out things like he won nine straight bowl games and his record was 3-11 and 11 in picks, I mean, you know, everything's checkable now. It's, 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 it's almost, and I, and I hate to lump him in, but he's almost trying to pull off a Ken Beatrice act in the 21st century. That's exactly you know? the name I thought of, Andy. Those who live in the D.C. area know uh, the late, great Ken Beatrice. And Ken was the god of all knowledge on radio. Yeah before sports radio was even a thing back in the 80s, early 90s, and then the mm-hmm. world changed and technology changed, and Ken had to become more and more of a bullshit artist, if not yeah. an outright liar at times, to keep up the facade of I am the all-knowing God. And, and Francesa has a lot of it. I'm going to play a bite right now, and then we'll riff off of it. But this was Francesa talking about how, yeah, I got it wrong in Alabama. I took him in the semis and in the championship game. I lost both. But, hey, what am I going to do? I killed with Alabama this year. I won a ton of money. Here's the clip. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Good, what's up? Uh, just two quick questions. Uh, last weekend, wild card weekend, and then also including uh, Monday night's college championship game, you went uh, 0 for 5 with your picks. So you think you're going to do better this weekend? I have no idea. I don't, I don't really care. So wait a second. What about the rest of the Bulls? How did I do? Well, I only talk about this penny. Oh, oh yeah, of course, games. of course, you want to only count the Alabama games because I got wrong. You don't care about the other bowls when I got like nine in a row right, but you don't want to talk about those. Of course not. Why would you? I wouldn't either. If you want to make your point, but you're right, I got both Alabama games wrong. Absolutely, because you know what? I've made a killing on Alabama all year this year. If you look during the regular season, they covered almost every game. I wasn't going to get off them. The the Oklahoma game they should have covered. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, they didn't try after they got up 28 nothing. I mean, they could have named the score in that game, and they wound up not covering by what, a point? So, I mean, that's just a bad break, the Oklahoma game, you know. But I did get both Alabama games wrong, absolutely. But I wasn't going to get off Alabama then. I'd been on them all season, and I'm telling you, in the regular season, they must have covered the point spread all but maybe one game they didn't cover the point spread. They covered the point spread in every game they played this year. All right, so he says Alabama covered all but one or two times, Andy. In fact, Alabama was 500 against the spread. Right. Like, they lost a number of times against the spread, which, as you say, shows he doesn't do his research, and he's just not even basically connected to what's happening out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he said early in the season, he, he said halfway through the season, Aaron Rodgers had already thrown seven interceptions. He'd thrown one. And, and that's, you know, the Google key now kills this. You, you can't do this. You just can't. So why does a guy like Francesa lose the appetite to do basic prep? Because he's got three relatively young children. And so he what? also... Come on, uh, you 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 had three. You had two young children at, two, at one yeah, time. But, I have two children who are young at one time. It doesn't negate you from doing the job. You, you should do the job. He also, you'll hear him say that he's got a lot of interest in finance. He's got interest in politics. And I think, I think that he's probably pretty bored with this, but it pays him so much money that he just 
continues to do it and mails it in. I think I think he, he fancies himself. A lot of successful people do this. They go, well, I conquered this world. I must be able to conquer others. And he spends a lot of time probably looking at other things and probably just doesn't really care that much about sports anymore. Really? Wow. And, <laughs> and you don't think he looks at that Twitter feed and says, holy shit, do I look like a tool? I've got to think- put in a little more work here. No, no, I think he thinks, well, you know, I'm so big, I'm so important, people love me, I have a driver, I have houses in multiple places. He's also, you know, he also is very insecure, you know that. Oh, and, tremendously and, so, yes. Yeah, and, and, and so I, I, I think that, you know, he covers up his insecurities with the bluster. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's, at, at the, he's 64 years old now. Mm. And, you know, as, as I mentioned to you, when he first came to WFAN, he was working as a researcher for CBS, as a researcher pre-internet, which meant when Brent Musburger would do a college game with University of Miami, he would call personally Jimmy Johnson and get information from him to give to Brent. So he was kind of the internet in those days. Well, <laughs> things changed, obviously, over the last 30 years. I am the internet. That's so funny. Yeah. You're right, because back in the day with rotary phones and newspapers yeah. only, you became the internet if you called four or five people that were semi-connected in the world of sports, right? Yeah, yeah. You could, you could. He got it right from the sources. He could talk to players. He could talk to coaches with the CBS brand. You know, they would, they. Oh yeah, the, the sports information directors would make them available to you, where other people didn't have that kind of access. Yeah. Well, that's not the case anymore. The other media personality that is fascinating to me at this point is one Stephen A. Smith. Ugh. Last week, he did a top five quarterbacks left in the playoffs on ESPN. It excluded Drew Brees entirely. When the panel said, are you crazy? How could Drew Brees not even make the list? He says, without any sense of remorse, oh, I just forgot him. Which (laughs) which makes me wonder, how much time did you spend on this list? So that's number one. That's number one. Number two is that now that the Cowboys have lost, Stephen A. Smith has gone on his wrestling manager heel turn, laughing at and taunting Cowboy fans on television and on social media, which is now apparently his shtick. This is a bad wrestling act. To just, all he's doing, he's poking Cowboy fans with a stick in a juvenile nature on the worldwide leader in sports allegedly yeah but that that show made its bones with skip bayless also doing ridiculous things like you know saying that tim tebow is great and lebron james stinks and and And, of course him being super pro cowboy and Stephen a anti They will now right. roll Stephen A. down to Dallas for a live show in front of a bunch of cowboy jersey-wearing hoopleheads, get them riled up in person. This is sports journalism, huh? Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like you go to Times Square, and there's somebody trying to get you into a burlesque show. There's the naked cowboy who will charge you to get your picture taken with him. They, 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 these are all people, because the media is so spread out now, you've got to do something to get attention. And, it's it's you know, a race ago, to the was, bottom, and I wonder yeah. if we've even reached rock bottom yet in the race to the bottom. Well, 
there, there's a guy who I guess has done okay in radio out west named Vic the Brick, but his act was to have this foam brick that he would throw at the camera when he didn't like something. That's and right. that, <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah. I guess you and I failed in that we don't have a hook. We don't. Well, have I, I don't. A I don't enjoy that. That's well, not you know. I don't want to do that. See, that's the other thing. As much as Stephen A. Smith makes, I don't know if I could do what he does because I find it irredeemably douchey. Yeah. I, I I look at that and I say, really? Really? Now, I guess for $3 million and the lifestyle of being a television celebrity, I suppose, but man, this is a far cry from him writing NBA stories for the Daily News in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, but that that is is one thing that he can pull out of his back pocket and say, "See, I'm a journalist." That's that's the only thing he's got for credibility. But otherwise, yes, he's a carnival act. Well, if if I'm a TV executive, then I'm scanning YouTube for the next great trash talker in sports, and I'm gonna launch latch onto him and just let him elevate onto ESPN. Because there are it's, better smack talkers and more interesting personalities on YouTube right now. Yeah, I, I guess you know one who of those will the, surface. Who needs the credibility? Uh, who, what What does it matter that Stephen A. came from a former journalistic background? Just get somebody yeah. who's better at taunting cowboy fans on ESPN. Yeah, but you, you've got to get a name for yourself. Who is the woman who was with Fox that ESPN hired? Who I've not since heard of. Um, you know, she was doing a lot of give me um, a hair color, uh, <laughs> brown hair. She was she was doing you know sort of the, the the that kind of work, but but not not quite at Fox. Oh, and, Katie and Nolan. She, Katie Nolan, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah. Katie Nolan and, is now doing internet only stuff. She yeah, has have you a heard show. Of her? Have I heard of her? I, I mean, have you heard of her? I, I haven't seen any of her work. I, I well, don't. It's I don't because it's on the internet. And nobody sees anything on the internet because everything's on yeah. the internet. We're 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 diluted. Right. We're uh, we're buried in internet shit. So yeah. yes, it's called. Uh, I think it's called almost on time or always no always late with Katie Nolan on Never the internet. It. And and ESPN touted it as we like Katie on our digital platform. It allows her to stretch her legs and blah blah blah. Translation not even good enough for ESPN News. Right. Okay. So they've tried. The, 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 what you, the point you're making is you need to find somebody like that. They thought they did, and they realized, nah, she's really not that great. We'll shove her on the Internet. And they may get stuck with And I, I heard that she signed a pretty nice contract. Sure. So, yeah. you know, they, they're not in the business of wasting money now since they've had to well, their belt a little bit. They, they, they waste it in some areas, and then they're really chintzy in other areas. Yeah. Speaking of chintzy and money, I'll leave with the. I'll end with this today, Andy. You are a man, I believe, who. Well, I don't know. And let me not couch this the wrong way. You enjoy talking about tipping, right? What's tipping, a, yes. What's appropriate? What's not appropriate? Where, when, how much, and all that. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, I, I'll tell you something. I have found over the years that the people who have worked in the service industries are the best tippers. Yeah, because they know. That, yeah, they know. They, and and I try to I try to adhere to about twenty percent in a restaurant. That's my yeah. That's I, my, I go uh, about twenty percent as well out of sheer mathematical laziness. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll usually do the quick twenty percent calc and then I'll back off a dollar or something to hit in the eighteen percent range. 
Here's the question. This is a, it's a mini controversy amongst golf nerds. Matt Kuchar just won again for the second time in this wraparound season on the PGA Tour in Hawaii. He won in Mexico back in the fall. The event in Mexico, Andy, he didn't bring his regular tour caddy with him because the tour caddy wanted some time with his family for once. And he hired a local looper from Mexico, a guy by the name of El Tucan, a legend mm-hmm. looper down there. He goes on to win the $1.3 million first prize. Normal right. normal on the PGA Tour is 10% of a winning check, so that's hundred and thirty grand in theory. Do you know right. what Kuchar's prearranged payment to El Toucan was, which according to now tour circles, he did not bump up at all? What? Three grand. Really? Uh-huh. That's horrible. That's terrible. That's what a lot of people in the golf world are saying. And they're saying, yeah, this smiling Matt Kuchar, family man, God-fearing bullshit. <laughs> this guy is alligator arms central. That's terrible. You although, know, speaking of- although, you want to hear the counter-argument? Yeah. Uh, uh, Brandel Chambly, of all people, said, look, the reason tour caddies get 10% of wins is because they dedicate their life to being with their man on the road, and there is a high price to be paid if you're a tour caddy trying to make a living. Therefore, they have to be paid higher, because otherwise, who would want the job? The okay, other, but... the other, the, hold on. The other point Chambly made was because this was a local looper. Yeah, he knew the course, but he doesn't know Matt Kuchar's ball flight or carry distances or tendencies under pressure. Chambly said it was probably more likely that that you know. Uh, Kuchar had to pull his own clubs, meaning, you know, go with his own mm-hmm. irons, and then also pick his own lines on certain carries on certain holes, and that $3,000, which was double what L2 can would have made caddying otherwise, was a fair price. Okay, now you've heard both sides. Go ahead. Well, uh, okay, maybe he didn't have to give him the 10%, but since he won, couldn't he have given him like another 20 grand, 25 grand, just to, you know, say, hey, I, this is really above and beyond. I didn't expect this, and you should share some of this. No? I, I would have done it from a pure karmic standpoint only, Andy. From a pure karma standpoint, I would have been afraid not to give him at least something more, and I might have just said, screw it. Here's the full yeah. 130 grand. Would have changed his life. It would have made me look good. And yeah. I made $43 million already in my career. I'm going to make more. What the hell? Spread it around. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Yeah. Either way. But let me give you another quick uh, tipping thing that I read this weekend uh, about the prices. Right. When Bob Barker finally retired, they went to Drew Carey three times before he finally said yes. Finally, they asked him what he liked to do best. He said, I like to leave big tips. Like when I get a cup of coffee, I like to leave $100. They said, wouldn't you like to do that times 1000 and give a lot of money away on TV? He said yes, and he's been doing it for like 20 years. Well, there you go. <laughs> and and by the way, why he would turn that job down three times is a mystery because it's the greatest job in television and broadcasting. They batch record those shows, and then he has like a month off. Yeah, I know. Well, but he, he he had just finished doing the Drew Carey show, and I guess he thought he was going to be a movie star. Instead, he's just a rich game show host now. <laughs> Living in Palm Springs, California, there's a lot so. worse existences than that, Andy. All right. No question. That'll do it for this week. Thank you, Andy. Good to talk to you, bud. Good to you. You too. Take care. 
We'll end on this today. Have you ever heard of Inbox Zero? A term that was first coined in 2007 by Merlin Mann. I know. I don't know who he is either. I have no idea who that is. A blogger. Merlin Mann. Inbox Zero. Merlin championed finding the time and committing the attention to do your best creative work by making sure you respond to and or delete or file away every email in your inbox at the end of the day. Inbox zero. Hundreds of articles have been written on how to achieve such a mythical state with your email. Products such as Polymail, MailStorm, Superhuman are all built to help make our inboxes more manageable. And a growing number of offices have instituted chat systems to, such as Slack to help minimize inter-office emails. Writes Taylor Lawrence at The Atlantic under the headline of Don't Respond to Your Emails. <laughs> In 2019, Taylor writes, I suggest you let it all go. There is simply no way for anyone with a full-time job and multiple inboxes to keep up with the current email climate. Even after deleting and sorting my 2,700 unread messages over the course of seven hours during Christmas break, I awoke the next day to find more than 400 more. Writer Emily Dreyfus once told me she has more than 300,000 unread messages in her box. Some people still delude themselves into thinking they can manage their email. They adopt strange rituals, emailing first thing in the morning, never emailing in the morning, reading email but not responding to it, organizing everything in folders, or email exclusively like a mouse. Software fixes such as Gmail, smart replies have made responding easier, but often a response just elicits more email. (laughs) Max Temkin, designer and co-creator of the popular game Cards Against Humanity, said, I think as people understand the idea of Inbox Zero now, it's a total disaster. I don't see how anyone could run a business or make a living as a freelancer or do any kind of meaningful work by replying to every email in their inbox all the time so that it is always empty. Amen to that. On my phone, before I took the notifications number off of my email program, it read 13,000 or something like that. And some people would look at that and be like, hey, man, don't you think you should get after those emails? I'm like, no, not really. I look for the ones that are from humans that I need to respond to. Everything else is just fine. I do, however, have kind of an obsession of making sure I don't have any bolded, unread emails. When you do email me at zabityahoo.com, and I appreciate them, and I honestly try to give a quick response to every listener who sends me an email. And it is a bit of an obsession. I don't know how much time I spend every day on it, but probably too much. I will try to uh, limit that just a bit. But inbox zero, no, for suckers. Inbox infinity, now that's the way to live life. That will do it for today. Download, subscribe, comment, and like. Tell a couple friends. Get the ZabeCast app. Send me feedback if you want. Don't if you don't. Doesn't matter to me. Netflix for your ears. That's the podcast world we live in. I thank you for listening, whether it's now or at a time of your choosing. Now go into that inbox, laugh at all the unread emails, and say, I'm never answering you, and then go out for a three-martini lunch. And we will see you next time. <laughs>